It was on the 9th of June, 1862, on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Bamborough's, she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning. Passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lasses there, all the smiling faces. Gunning along the Scotsman Road to see the Bladen races. Way we flew past Armstrong's factory and onto the Robin Adair. And when we got to the railway bridge, the bus wheel flew off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the veils and hide their faces. Got two black eyes and a broken nose, gun at the blading races. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us cannon. Passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lasses there, always smiling faces. Gunning along the Scots for the road. You're what is good, ladies and germs. We are back at it again with another episode of CHN Radio for you. It's your boy Elijah here, and I'm joined alongside the co-hostess with the mostest, Joshua. Joshua, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I I appreciate it. Now, oftentimes people ask that question, and they don't get the reciprocating question. How okay. are you? Oh, you know, living the dream. Can't complain, you know? Just out here in these streets, grinding, 9 to 5, <laughs> all that kind of jazz. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, no, it, it's exciting stuff. Um, we got a, a fun, action-packed episode of CHN Radio for you. We're obviously going to review the Fulham match. Um, now Newcastle are in third again. We were in fourth for a second, but now we're back in third. So we'll talk what does that look like for Newcastle, and then uh, we'll preview this weekend's match against Crystal Palace. So it should be fun. We got some news to get through um, first and foremost. Of course, you can follow us on the, the Twitters at coming up in UFC and at CH and underscore podcast for all the, the greatest tweets by the greatest individuals. Um, and I just realized I gave myself a compliment. So I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that, that greatest individual squad. Uh, Heck yeah, Josh, you are. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Josh, you got anything to plug this week? Um, this week? Well, no. <laughs> nothing nothing that stands out uh there is a, a, a from our our u.s soccer stuff that we do that i do uh mm-hmm. we had some of our our podcasters and writers were out in philadelphia meeting up with uh some i mean if you if you follow along with uh you know some of our podcasts and friends that we have shea butter um they were out there um oh, ftc uh, yeah. i think i think two cent um, some, yeah, some podcasting legends were out in Philly along with some kit makers and scarf producers. And, um, I mean, people that make soccer boots. I mean, it was a, it was a really big conference and, um, we had a chance to talk to and record podcasts with all of those previously mentioned individuals, as well as with, uh, league operators for United soccer leagues or USL, which is the second, oh, third. Wait, who'd, and- you, who'd you, uh, interview at USL? It was the homies. Oh, it was um, uh, well, Greg Greg Lawless, so Alexi okay, Lawless' nice. brother. Yep, he's yeah. uh, director of communications for USL. Um, I think them. league I president of USL League One and League Two. I think there you go. VP of communications as well as um, several teams. And then, so if any of that sounds remotely interesting to Newcastle supporters, so lower league U S soccer stuff, check out protagonist soccer. Um, I'm just plugging that cause you asked me, but, um, otherwise on the Newcastle front, 
nothing spectacular. I got some artwork in. Um, so, uh, we're, I'm waiting for one more book about, um, about the King of Goals, Andy Cole. And so I'll finish up that piece soon. I know I promised it a month ago and then I got the George Robledo and the Robledo brothers, um, Mm. um, research underway. And then, uh, we may do, I think the third one may be, uh, Joe Harvey, but I've really got to like reel in the first two pieces before I start working on the third one. So yeah, that was a lot to plug, but that's what's going on. Love it. Love it. That's a lot of good stuff. I always got love for the USL homie. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. And then, um, yeah, also just the, again, I, we're, we're plugging everyone, but our, ourselves, but the FTC guys like the, that check their stuff out, especially if you are a Newcastle fan who gets blank kits, you've always wanted like a kind of unique kit. Oh um, yeah. They do these super sick custom name plates and it's pretty inexpensive, very easy to install. So Definitely check their stuff out. Uh, just I think it's FTC United on Twitter. I don't know. I'll, I'll yeah. probably put it in the description of this. That'd be podcast, great. Yeah, and I'll and I'll share a picture. Sure. I'll share a picture of the one I got last year. I got a a Saint Maximin um, custom name set on the back of the uh, the away jersey from last year, or mm-hmm. I think it was the third kit. You know, with the uh, yeah. the gray and the white wavy lines in it. That was, mm-hmm. such, I mean, that's such a good kid. Yeah, it really was yeah. like, is it Castor or Castore? I'm not 100 percent sure. I think but it's Castore, but we're going to talk about kits in this one. We'll so get into that. Get, get, I'm get, a kit. I'm an absolute kit nerd. I probably have like 20 different Newcastle shirts, so I'm super excited to talk about that topic. Yeah. Also, I just realized I poured some more coffee. Uh, yes, it's 11:30, and I'm drinking coffee. But fight me. Um, <laughs> and I, it sounds like peeing. So I apologize to anyone who heard a random like pouring noise and thought that I was peeing. I wasn't. I, was I don't think anyone coffee. thought that. Well, I'm, I'd like to implant that into people's heads. <laughs> okay, let's let's hop into it. So first and foremost, um, we got a couple couple, couple news items. Um, first, we're going to let's let's discuss real quick. Uh, Bruno hobbled off the pitch in tears mm. after rolling his ankle in the full match on Sunday. Uh, definitely one of those where I mean, I'm sure he was, I don't know why he was crying. I'm sure it hurt. Um, I mean, he, it, it was, he rolled it like, I want to say 20 minutes in and basically was playing about 25. It was the 17th minute. minute. Yeah. It oh, was wow. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Beast. Yeah. But yeah, he rolled it and, um, you know, scans came back and it was all positive stuff for Newcastle. So it looks like it's just a normal ankle sprain, just tweaked it and, I think we've all been there. Everyone's rolled their ankle and then it's tried to scary though. It. And it, you yeah, know, because no, it, yeah, it's one of those where I mean, and the weird thing about spraining your ankle is that you technically do tear ligaments when you do that. So it's like it's like one of these weird injuries that is is actually when you look at it, like sounds much worse than we actually than it actually is. But yeah, it's it's not, certainly not fun. No, and I think I think when he wears his heart on his sleeve, man, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's I mean, just came off a handful of um, interviews where basically he's just like, I love this place. I think he he and his wife, I think someone had asked him. Um, no, 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 it was post injury. And they were basically yeah. like the amount of love that they've received from Jordy's. They, they're like, we've never received that anywhere that we've been. They've yeah. never felt more at home than they do in Newcastle. That's good. Yeah, love it. So um, that's good, which kind of segues into our, excuse me, our next bit of news. Um, because Bruno's only going to miss a couple of weeks, it's likely that he can rest until Newcastle's first semifinal, uh, 
let your first leg of their semifinal in the Carabao Cup or the Energy Drink Cup or the FL Cup, whatever you want to call it, sure. um, which is going to be Tuesday, the 24th of January at St. Mary's. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the, the, the second leg uh, as Newcastle in UFC.co calls it the hotly anticipated second leg. That's right. Will be uh, at, at St. James's on uh, Tuesday, the thirty-first, the following week. So, uh, fingers crossed, Bruno is is healthy by then. I think, um, given you know, you don't want to disrespect any league opponents, but you do. You do. If you're Newcastle right now, I think priority maybe is reaching that cup final. And so I would I would rest Bruno and not try to force him back too quickly. No, and even and then, like maybe that first leg is even potentially too early. Like you know, here's the good news. Yeah, no, for sure, rest him if you can, because guess what? There's no match in between. There's no league mm-hmm. match in between those two legs. And so we get yep. that weekend off. Um, I think it's an FA Cup weekend. It and is. We are not a Newcastle losing in the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> they they did themselves a favor, as we like to call it here in the U.S. It's a bye week. Mm-hmm. So. It's yeah. uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna get a bye week on that weekend and uh, I'd say rest them uh, see how the first leg goes away to St Mary's and yeah. uh, and come back strong on the following Tuesday I, I bet they're gonna I bet I'll bet they'll do a clean sweep so it doesn't you know we'll do a preview yeah. pod we'll do a preview pod next week but um but uh, yeah so yeah I mean well, wait hmm. I guess that's literally a week from we might have to we might have, we will talk about this we might have to record like early because next the, the it's on too it's a week next, it's next it's a tuesday. week it's a week from it's it's a week from today as we record on a tuesday so, so uh, we'll figure that out it'll it, it might be we might throw we just briefly discuss it at the, the logistics I, don't know. Just, I feel like we've are we've talked about we know southampton i i don't know we'll we'll, we'll figure that out later okay uh, i'm not i'm not i'm not stressed about previewing that um all right cool so uh there's the cup dates um all that good jazz Bruno has just been announced as the Northeast Football Writers Association Player of the Year for 2022. Um, in 2021, it was Alan St. Maxima. So, um, obviously, much deserved. It's just another sort of Player of the Year award. Wanted to briefly mention that. Again, uh, not crazy. Sarah Robson of Durham won it uh, for the second year in a row, so good for her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, here's here's the big stories. Um like contrary to popular belief, Newcastle actually did have a couple outgoings um, hmm. uh, for uh, for for in the summer, and uh, one was Jeff Hendrick, who was went on loan, uh, and he scored two goals. Yeah, for what Reading? He got for Reading in the yeah. first half. And he was he was like on a hat trick. So uh, shout out to Jeff Hendrick. Uh, I mean, everyone else who's on loan is you know whatever uh but um and speaking of loan moves uh it's important to to because we never officially discussed this but newcastle have officially signed grand cole or grand cole i don't know how to say his name now that i think about it um grand cole grand cole uh we'll say it that way for now until we're corrected yeah uh someone uh, some some aussie will correct this he's joined newcastle uh january earlier earlier this month technically a January signing for Newcastle, undisclosed fee. Um, and he immediately was sent out on loan to Hearts uh, for the remainder of this season. Uh, he actually made his debut in the 76th minute um, and nearly had an assist. So uh, I think the kid's going to be all right. Um, it, it was it was pretty bad, too. I mean, like, he, he it was on a counter, absolutely scorches his defender, 
plays in a perfect ball one v one to their striker, and mm-hmm. the the guy like completely misses them. It, it was bad. It was it was it, he should have had an assist. We'll just leave it at that. And then uh, uh, I don't know. Sorry, Josh, I didn't even give you an opportunity to respond to that. Do you have any um, thing you well, want to add to? to um, I would say. Yeah, the Hearts news. I think it's um, it's good to see him getting play time. I think, especially, I don't know for our American listeners if you realize how close Hearts of Midlothian are to Newcastle. Um, they actually play in a stadium called the Tyne Castle, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's um, is it in Edinburgh or is it? I think it's in Edinburgh. I think um, Hibs are there. Yeah, Hibs they are, are Tyne Castle Park in in Edinburgh. Yeah, and I think uh, that's the capital of Scotland. Again, uh, and geography just lesson. a hop skipping away from Newcastle. It really, I mean, of all things being said, it really, it really is. It's you know, it's a quick, it's a quick train trip. So, um, and and the reason that's important is because it's kind of easier to keep a keep a, keep an eye on him if you're the Newcastle trainers and you want to you want to follow his progressions and if he needs to come come down to you know for training. I mean, he's probably fully stuck in too hard so i don't think he's gonna be coming down for anything but if they wanted to go up and watch a match it's an easy it's in a week it's an easy away day to go up and and, and watch a boy and then you know just kind of get get tabs on him so um no it's a, it's a good fairly local place and good for him and and it's a it's a it'll be a good loan move yeah there's also uh, it's worth mentioning there are a couple of uh aussie teammates uh who that he will have there mm-hmm. as well so that's it's it's, it's a it's a smart loan um Cami Devlin, Nathaniel Atkinson, both who are involved in the Australia squad. Uh, and uh, I mean, obviously in the fall, and I want to say both might have made the World Cup roster as well. They're at Hearts. Um, so he's got a couple of Aussie teammates as well, a couple older mentor type players. I mean, I guess everyone's older compared to a 17 year old. So That's it, it's. True. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good it it's one of those where you know surface level seems like a pretty you know did load him out to the Scottish League, but the the club there was definitely some intent put into to the club chosen as well as uh just like who they felt you know wh- where they felt he could develop. And fun fact about Hearts partnership with Atlanta United uh that was created by Darren Eels. So it's a lot Is of that right in the dots there. Huh. Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, your boy. I got, I got stats. I got stats. Hey, you, um, you know stuff. Last, yeah. <laughs> uh, last but not least, um, this is probably the one of the more interesting bits of news. Um, there has been some rumored interest in a re, uh, I guess not, not a, a, a reunion. I was going to say a reunion, like reunited, and I realized that the word is reunion. A reunion of Adidas and Newcastle. As uh, the official kit provider, um, so I have no idea the validity of said rumor. I have sure. no idea how they could get out of the Castore, Castor, whatever you want to call it, that deal. But it's uh, it's happening potentially. Um, thoughts on uh, Adidas potentially making a return to uh, the the uh, I don't know the shirts of Newcastle uh, players yeah, and supporters. When they're hot, they're hot. That's the thing about Adidas or Adidas, I think, as our as our friends in the UK would call it, Adidas. Well, um, and the people in German, in Germany. Oh yeah, like, they called it the Adidas. Yeah, that was completely not necessary. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. When they're hot, they're hot. I I love Adidas shirts. Um, 
sometimes. If you yeah. take a look at, say, the second shirts or the um, sort of the, what do they call that? The third kits? The third kits, parlay kits, all these things that they do in Major League Soccer are okay. super... MLS is such a bad example, though, because like, no, that's, like no, that's like not even trying. It isn't, but if you play, let's say you play FIFA, like hop on, hop on yeah. the old PS5, hop on the Xbox, whatever you got, load up FIFA and go and, and just look at the kits, right? Go yeah. to kickoff, don't play a game, and just go through all the clubs. 90% of the Adidas kits around the world are just template kits. Oh, um, well, that's the same for Nike, too. And that's the weird sure. thing about I mean, love that's my thing. That's, story. Like, yeah. you won't get a template kit from them. No, they're unique. That's the thing about... Yeah, every single uh, one's different. Like, ours yeah. don't look like Wolves kits at all. No. And I appreciate that. I do. Except for I own one of these shirts. I got it in an extra, extra large. I'm not an athletic person, but I'm also not incredibly overweight. And this thing doesn't fit me. Like I would need probably yeah. a double or a triple X and in Adidas, I need a right, you know, an XL, maybe a large. So yeah. it is more of an athletic fit. It's, it kind of fits like Puma. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. If you, if you were getting Newcastle kits from Puma, you know what I mean? Like they were just slim. Um, yeah, I will say the one thing. So Adidas like Arsenal kits have been like the home kits for Arsenal have always been pretty yeah. good. Or, yeah, no, they'll go all Arsenal, out for their big clubs. Arsenal, or I'm thinking Manchester United. Um, well, it's Manchester United lately have been Adidas, and I think yes. see, teams have switched around. It's, I think didn't for the longest time Arsenal was Adidas, and now they're Nike again, or is it the other way around? I mean, nonetheless, well, nonetheless, nonetheless, I know that like yeah, oh yeah, they're they're Adidas right now. And they, they go just, they go big their, for their their big home teams. kit this year is great. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was like, I'm, and, and it, like their kit selection this year has been pretty good for, yeah. for Arsenal. And and you would imagine that if this is, uh, if the, if this were to happen, they would be treated with the same, you know, they would be treated as, as a, a higher echelon client because I think whenever this, if this is going into the summer, you're hoping Newcastle are in a Champions League position and they've created a sustainable model that would keep them relevant in the Champions League for a while. But again, like you said, even then Adidas does tend to miss every so often. There's some pretty ugly kits that they have, especially their third kits. So we'll see. Um, but they also have some really sick kits. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they, they are, I do, I, what, one thing I do appreciate about Adidas over maybe other kit suppliers is that they're pretty good at doing homages to like the older classic kits. And I think they do a good callback. Wants, yeah, for sure. Want, everyone wants a classic. Newcastle well, did you see uh, someone had done up, you, you know, you see them every once in a while. So, you know, someone just got, um, you know, got the skills and they can create those 3D kit models or whatever. Mm-hmm. Someone did a a call back to that beautiful 1996 Newcastle away shirt mm-hmm. or the secondary shirt, um, which was the kind of the burgundy and navy hooped shirt. It, that's oh, yeah. my favorite of all time. I actually have an original from that year. Um, I look I was looking up on eBay how much they are now. They're a couple hundred dollars to get one. So I, I want to say that one of the really last uh, Puma sets yep. had a, a throwback to that. Oh, I and want I'm that. So mad I missed out on Me that. Me too. One I want that I one. I wanted a Yedlin one, and one of my boys did get one, and it was just like 
he got it in person it was like oh this is actually so gorgeous i'm such an idiot for not buying this but i was in college and i've seen really a few couldn't afford i've seen a few on ebay but i'm not convinced because they're shipping from poland yeah. so i'm not convinced they're not fakes yeah right? that's that's tough it, it, maybe we'll they'll be up on classic football kit shirts or something or whatever i'll All right. check that um, out for sure enough enough nerding out about kits uh let's let's hop into the most recent newcastle match newcastle yes sir walked away with a w um against fulham uh in a very interesting match to say the least uh here let's let's read some three words real quick as to how people reacted to that match um joy avery says uh, another clean sheet Oh, this guy, Joshua Duder, don't know who that is. He says, that was close. Uh, Eric Schmidt in UFC Indiana says, undercover agent Mitro. Kim Avery says, Isak is back. Liam C says, hip, hip, hooray. John Doyle says, will do nicely. Dan Jr. in 1987, which I think this person doesn't understand how Twitter works because that's his name when I think that should just be his at, but who knows. Uh, he says, gimme, gimme, gimme. Craig Atkinson says, Wilson to Isak, which is, Again, I, I mean, it's three words. And then Erica Fuller closes out with 60 million pounds well spent, which she put 60 million with the pound sign. So, like, it's technically three words. So uh, don't 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 get mad at her for breaking the rules. But <laughs> Josh, quick, just like you're you're quick. Uh, you already gave three words, but like, I don't know. Oh, what's sure. your Reaction just after that. You know, Newcastle win. We're in third once again. Uh, we're officially back in the title race. I'm sure That's you probably wild. saw uh, Manchester United. Uh, they won on Saturday. And yeah. like all the pundits were like, oh, they're in the title race. And it was like they were literally like one point ahead of Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> and, it was like, and they've been and discounting Newcastle, Newcastle the whole time, right? So, and, and yeah, they're <laughs> like, there's no way. There's no way sustainable. Newcastle can't keep this up. And I mean, we've gone on what uh in the last five matches um shut out again i mean we're going to recap this last time but shut out against leeds shut out against arsenal um shut out leicester shut out fulham um yeah. that does not include like the 14 or 15 unbeaten in the league <laughs> yeah so i mean that you know, this yeah obviously we're not going to include the the 2 to 1 loss to sheffield wednesday um, we don't need to relive, relive that, but, um, but nonetheless, the pundits persist on dismissing Newcastle, and and I just think it's, I'm not, I don't know, I didn't think that we would be in this position when the season began, mm. but as it wears on and we watch this team, I'm guilty of having heightened expectations like i'm looking forward to games instead of looking forward to games being over i I used to like dread the match itself and and listen on the radio and just do other things because i wanted to be distracted but now i'm trying to find the stream because i actually want to watch it i want to see this team play it's a thing of beauty and so i'm looking forward to their, you know, they are going to have this run in with with Manchester United, and they and you know to see Tottenham kind of sh- you know shrink, and to see Chelsea shrink and not have great seasons. If there ever was a chance for us to finish top three, 
top four, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a great year for that. It's going to be fun. And, and anything's possible with city dropping points. I mean, you know, our arsenal, it's going to be hard to hunt them down, but it's not impossible. So it's not impossible when you consider that Arsenal Manchester United play this Sunday. So hoping uh, for a draw. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you hope for a draw. You hope for, you I mean, you hope maybe you hope for Man U win just because you fancy Newcastle. I don't know. Let, let's not get super into it, but I, I would I would agree with you. I think part of it for me is I am genuinely shocked. Like I'm expecting at this point. I mean, and part of it is like Newcastle have given up, you know, two goals since the World Cup break, and they mm-hmm. were both in the FA Cup match, a match in which I thought you know, we could be caught sleeping and give up and, and potentially lose. But outside of that, Newcastle have not given up a goal. And so now I'm in this weird spot of like, yes, in the beginning of the season. And I think George Culkin subbed us up uh, excellently. I mean, everyone who's written about it, every fan has kind of felt the same way of this weird, like, all right, you know, once we started to win this, like kind of still living in this, is this reality sort of situation of like, shock and awe that Newcastle are doing this well to now, like Josh has just said, there's this expectation that at a minimum, we're going to keep a clean sheet. (laughs) Uh, And we have the best defense in the Prem. And we have, you know, on paper, the best goalie in the Prem. And so there's this expectation that like, even when that Fulham match was looking a little rough and we knew Fulham was going to sit back and, and make us work for it. All we, all I, I knew that all we needed was, you know, one moment of brilliance and it's three points. Like Fulham's not scoring on us. That that was like, I was like, they're they're not scoring us. And and we'll talk about the match and the key moments, but of course, their their best opportunity to score, you know, came from a a penalty that some people thought were thought was questionable, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, it came from a penalty, and so it wasn't like you know, there was nothing from open play that really like Mitrovic's. You know, he didn't, he wasn't effective in in, uh, in open play. I mean, they weren't really, you know, the players we talked about being dangerous, like Willian had himself a decent match, but again, nothing crazy uh, no, and nothing that our defense couldn't handle. You um, know, part, so, of, yeah. part of that, though, that I thought was interesting um, is conversely for how few goals we've given up, how few goals we've scored in the last five matches as well. Of course. And I think part of what's happening is that teams and and this was evident for me watching Fulham was mm-hmm. um and and part of the reason why Mitra was so anonymous uh was because they were they were coming back to defend as a team yeah. and to try to to try to shut down we have i mean we have all this firepower we were talking about a good problem to have last week right yeah. and there are you know, it's clicking aside from Bruno being injured now, but he'll be back in a few weeks and yeah. who knows? You saw it on display. I mean, yeah. this I mean, was the match to see it on display. I mean, and well, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I just felt like that contributed to the anonymity of their, of Fulham's uh, attack was them. And it wasn't like they were completely um, inept and they had some really good moments. And of course, uh, Bobby Reed was, uh, uh, you know, he had some brilliant moments. He was a bit of a heel. He got stuck in. He was, he was kind of annoying to watch, but he was doing exactly what I thought he would do. Yeah. Um, but they were also, they were coming back um, to th- what they were doing was they were trying to, they were trying to, um, they keep those those overlaps from happening. They were they were getting stuck in you know into that into the into the lane, um, and kind of preventing Newcastle's overlaps. So 
uh, and they were, you know, and then conversely, sometimes they were clogging, um, you know, they were clogging up, uh, clogging up those channels. So, uh, you know, but Fulham were so busy defending, um, I, I, you know, you, you just had poor old Mitro up top all by himself. So that's probably why yeah. he seemed completely um, out of the game. Yeah, um, plenty of, and, and yeah, we'll get we'll get into it um, after I just quickly go through the lineups. I know uh, for Newcastle, uh, unchanged lineup from uh, the, the the team that sent us through through the cup. Uh, so same back line that you've seen all season: Nick Pope, Trippier, Chair, Botman, Byrne, midfield three of Botman, Bruno, and Willock with Miggy, Calum Wilson, and Joe Ellington. Starting out wide, which uh, the Dwellington start surprised a few people, but I mean, he started and he played uh, the full 90. So, um, and then for Fulham, it was, uh, I mean, we don't really need to go through a lineup, but I will just for the sake of doing it. Leno and goal. Kurzawa was who they brought in to place Anthony Robinson. Tim Ream, uh, been starting all season for them. Diop, Tete, uh, again, a, a mainstay in the team for them. We just talked about Reed. Paulinho was the other midfielder they had. With uh, Deco Dover Reed, Perea, and Willian uh, as their attacking players, uh, supporting Mitrovic up top. So, uh, pretty suspected uh, starting eleven for each team. Like nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, there, there are a lot of key moments. I think uh, there's some that I wrote down, but I do want to. I do want to mention one thing. Just overall pace of the game, it was pretty dominant from Newcastle from, from start to finish. Uh, I think we're talking about 64, 65% possession, something along those lines. Uh, there were, there were moments where Fulham had the ball and were, had, you know, making some attacking moves, but I mean, if Fulham had ex- sustained possession, it was maybe for five to six minutes max. I mean, outside of that, it was all Newcastle. I mean, they had 20 shots. Uh, so that just gives you a little bit of a, uh, of, of, of clue into how Newcastle uh, were so dominant. Um, and it was, it was more of the same. The pressing was there. Uh, the midfield was, was controlling uh, the match. I think there definitely was a little bit of a drop off in the midfield. Once, once we saw uh, Bruno get injured, he just wasn't as effective. Uh, you could tell that it was, it was definitely certainly affecting, but that first 20 minutes was, was almost entirely all Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, just there were chance after chance after chance after chance. I mean, going into the second half as well. I mean, it was a weird one because again, it's another one nil win, and it's 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 frustrating because, I mean, you think about the amount of chances in front of net that should have been converted. I mean, Callum Wilson had three clear cut, just like, I mean, you couldn't draw up anything better for him opportunities, and he still didn't score. I really. Technically speaking, he had four, and he got an assist out of one of them. But I mean, it was it was a bit absurd. Uh, I don't know. Uh, w- was that a little bit concerning to you to see dominant? You know, and, and I think in the past we were able to say, well, you know, Wilson's not healthy. Oh, well, you know, like we still we're waiting on Isak, we're waiting on Wilson. But it was again another match in which, like, all right, players who have scored your Miguel Amaron, your Joelinton, uh-huh. your Brunos. I mean, they were missing in front of net as well, and not really getting clear not converting clear cut chances in the way that they had been uh pre world cup break. It doesn't worry me. Um and and the and the reason is that they were still creating opportunities. They didn't have they didn't yeah. have uh possession for the sake of having possession. They had possession mm-hmm. because they were creating chances and attacking. And when you yeah. have the ball wave after wave of attack, you're just you mean naturally going to have an increased percentage of the ball. 
you know what I mean? And, and so it doesn't worry me. And I think as they say, it was just one of them games, you know? Um, I think in addition to just being off a few of the, you know, it just felt off as far as uh, the, the being clinical in front of goal at the, at the, you know, the end of, of every opportunity, but also felt like a lot of that had to do with Fulham, um, Fulham's midfield um, tracking back and creating um, kind of a, a, a tighter, a tighter group uh, in front of the, in front of the box. And I think teams have been doing that. Um, I think Leicester tried to do that as well. Um, you know, Arsenal was a little, a little bit more cagey um, leads. They, you know, they did to us what we were doing to Arsenal. So, I mean, there's reasons why that we just haven't scored in the last mm-hmm. you know, four matches, uh, league matches as, as much or you know, three or four matches. Um, I think that that is about to change. And I think it's just, um, I think teams can't, at some point these, these teams have to try to attack us. And then once they, once they see that they're not going to be able to, um, win because really all these teams want to do is win, right? Mm-hmm. It's you're going to play somebody like crystal palace and we'll get into this in the second half, I'm sure. But palace is going to want to look to open us up because they, mm-hmm. they're going to, they need to win. They, de- you know, they desperately need to win. And I'm not worried because I think that once a team opens up, it'll open up our attack. We'll get better opportunities as and many, also, it, as many, it, but better a- ones. And it's also a, a a difference of like, all right, you know, Crystal Palace attack. I mean, it's it's they have some some names on. Yeah. <laughs> they have some yeah. names and and some dangerous names. But you trust that our defense will hold up against their attack better than their defense will hold up against our attack, which mm-hmm. I think is like, I mean, it's it's the classic sort of like how Newcastle uh, we we played, you know, Man City and stuff in the past of like, all right, like the reason why the man city matches felt, you know, unwinnable was really more of like, we can defend as great. Like we can have, uh, you know, insane defensive performance and we have, you know, players who are dangerous on the counter, especially when we had ASM Wilson and, and Almiron and, and, you know, again, really more so ASM and Wilson, but it was like ASM and Wilson aren't, aren't going to beat that back line of like John stones and Kyle Walker. Like it just, they had like their back line and their, their defensive unit as a whole was just better than what Newcastle had to offer. And so nine times out of 10, you know, it's going to end up eventually in like resulting in a Newcastle loss. (laughs) It's, It's just, it's, and so now we're that team. And so, you know, when a team tries to open up or try to get us to, to to uh, or try to hit us on the counter it's like yeah i mean we got sven botman and fabian share who both have been adept at cleaning up counters and we've got dan byrne who's been tremendous at shutting down wingers by making them uncomfortable and we've got karen trippier who's extremely experienced defender and then we've got a sweeper keeper nick pope that has i mean it's something that's not really talked about but that's really that big difference between him and Dubrovka is like Dubrovka is not coming out for the same balls Nick Pope is coming out for. And Nick right. Pope is coming out for balls that are like outside the box that are like, if that connects with someone, it's a one V one with Nick Pope. And it's like, yeah, you fancy Nick Pope, but it's like, he prevents the one-on-one from ever happening by clearing the ball before the player can even get to it. And so right. it's, it's like a, this weird like phenomenon as a Newcastle fan to be on the other side of it of like well yeah we've got our you know we've got our top five keeper that is going to make it so that like distribution wise we're good from the back and we've got and and like obviously shot stopping wise we're good and then 
we've got the center backs and, and fullbacks and we've got, you know, when Bruno's healthy, you've got that insurance in the midfield and Sean Longstaff does a lot of that stuff as well. So, um, so let's get into some of the, the key moments that I've outlined here. First and foremost is the penalty, <laughs> which I just, there was a lot that happened that made this <laughs> just one of those, you know, one of my friends texted me and was like, you know, these are the types of things that, that like, you know, you kind of need to go your way. Uh, if, if you're trying to finish in a European spot, if you're trying to win the league. And so we'll break things, we'll break it down um, as best as we can. But essentially a few things occurred uh, that, that led, that led to this uh, first and foremost, in about the 60, let's say the 66th minute, uh, Andreas Pereira, like Fulham were on a dangerous counter, and Andreas Pereira is like in the box, like about to be 1v1 with Nick Pope. And uh, Dan Byrne tugs at him a little bit, and Pereira goes down and like is shocked that that's not awarded as a penalty. I'm not going to lie, Josh. I was a little bit shocked as well because it was, it, there was a little bit of selling from Pereira for sure. But mm-hmm. it was a strong enough tug in the box that typically is going to be awarded as a penalty. You're dragging a player's arm back, like Dan Byrne, like he grabbed his shoulder and pulled it back, like it's a pen. All that commotion happens. Decodorva Reed ends up with the with the ball uh, right outside the box, and it's a weird one where you know it can go either way. Like I see, you see, you've seen it called both ways, but essentially he he. Has a step over as tries to step over as Karen Trippier is coming in to make the tackle. Steps on Karen Trippier's foot and mm-hmm. it's deemed a foul and inside the box. Um, initially, it's not, but then Mike Dean Devar uh, was like, "Hey, let's take a look at this." And I mean, it was it was a weird moment of like I think a lot of people thought and play on the pitch that it was going to get at least looked at at VAR, but for like the next two minutes, it wasn't. And eventually, it was looked at and. Uh, we get a penalty, so uh, we well we don't get a penalty. Fulham has a penalty out of it. So before we even talk about the penalty, I do want to hear your thoughts on those two fouls because I think there there I, I I had to step outside of the echo chamber and I'll let you know what what the, the 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 people outside of the Newcastle echo chamber thought of those fouls. But I want to hear uh, for what you thought of those. Yeah. So so in my notes, <laughs> uh, Pereira a nuisance is a, is my early notes for the for the for the match. And I think he set himself up for failure by being such a nuisance and being such a persistent, you know, thorn in mm-hmm. the side. Um, he gave the ref a lot to think about, and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't like um, he was committing a lot of fouls, but I think he was he was very vocal in his own suffering. And I think at a certain point, refs are like, eh, "I'm not buying your shtick anymore." You know, like yeah. I, I feel like had he not been so insufferable for so long that actually he might have he might have gotten that call you've seen it you've seen it given as they say yeah Um, so i i you know i i was surprised that it wasn't but i also accepted it i was like yeah well you know he's being that way the 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 foul on the edge of the box i was just i i had to accept it for what it was i couldn't make my mind up if, and I couldn't see it, you know, maybe I didn't put my head next to my big screen close enough, but I couldn't see, um, who stepped on who, if that makes sense. I just couldn't untangle it in my mind. And so if they called it, 
also I couldn't determine if it was inside or outside the box. It was just a mess right, yeah. right there where it was damned unfortunate for the head ref to have to figure that one out. So, um, but karma is a son of a bitch, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, okay. So I'll say this for the Newcastle echo chamber. I, I was defending. I was like, Hey, you know, cause there were some angles like that appeared up on Twitter. You could see one, it was inside the box. So there that like that, that part is correct Two, If you slow it down, what does happen is there is like, Decadorva Reed steps on Kieran Trippier's foot and falls. Now, he like that. Like, what makes it interesting is that, like, although it looks like, you know, he steps on Trippier, that's a foul on him. It's not because I mean he was he's entitled to that space. He was there first, and Trippier comes in late, and so essentially Trippier essentially sticks his foot underneath where Decadorva Reed. Mm. Reed's foot is going to land. So like when you look at it through like a little bit of a bias, it looks like he steps on Trippier's foot. But in reality, he was already in that motion before Trippier comes in for that challenge. And so Trippier kind of knew what he was doing and it, it can go both ways. And again, some refs will call it, some refs won't call it. But Decadova Reed, unlike Paulinha, he really hadn't complained at all. Uh, the whole match and he I mean he got his fair share of you know you know tugs and stuff from Trippier and, and co and he really hadn't complained so I think he got a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt but and once you slow it down uh he technically had claimed that space already and it's it's I mean in situations like this where guys come together at the same time you typically are going to award whatever it is to the attacking player or the offensive player mm-hmm. um so it was a foul but uh, then we saw the uh, the the hole we talked about in the last podcast. We don't care if people like us. Uh, we, we just care about winning. We saw the full amount of shithousery from Newcastle. There were multiple balls on the pitch. There were players talking to the ref. There were players talking to Mitrovic. There were players talking to other Fulham players. Just delaying. I mean, Nick Pope delayed uh, delayed the, the, the penalty as well. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. There, yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was beautiful. I think Mark Douglas was the one with this scoop uh, that. But I don't know if you saw us, Josh. But uh, the, and this is important uh, as as we mentioned this. There there were some Newcastle players who apparently scuffed up the the, the penalty spot um, before the kick. So yeah. all this happens, and um, Mitrovic takes you know steps up. And again, it's worth noting Mitrovic is not. I don't think he's scored against Newcastle since he's left Newcastle. Um, I, I would have to like go back and, and fact check myself, but I'm like, I'm I'd like 85, I, I'm like 85% sure that's the case. Like he's been chasing this goal. I mean, they, they did a whole piece on the athletic about like how, I mean, he, he has a lot of love for Newcastle, but he also wants to score at St. James's park against Newcastle as a Fulham player. Like, I mean, like any team, like any player does who got sold and, uh, he steps up to the penalty. It's his opportunity steps up, buries it. Now it's it's a little weird because it didn't look like it didn't like it didn't look like a traditional Mitrovic penalty. Like it, it looked like a, a, a weird sort of chip deflection thing, mm-hmm. and then he's starting to celebrate, and it's immediately waved off because he kicked the ball off of his own foot. And he that, knew it though. He knew it. Oh, he knew it. He knew it. He thought that the ref didn't see it because I mean it rarely happens, and refs rarely catch it. Um, but yeah, he knew it and. Some are saying, 
you could attribute that to the fact that the area in which the ball was and where you take the kick was completely scuffed up by certain players for a team wearing black and white. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> Josh, uh, thoughts on uh, the, the Mitrovic situation? Uh, damned unfortunate for Mitro, fortunate for us. Uh, I'll take shithousery uh, for 500, Alex. Oh, yeah. Um, who is, who is Wilson? <laughs> so is my yeah. final answer. Um, look, I don't mind shithousery. Um, scuffing up the scuffing up the, the spot starts to venture into dirty play. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so part of me is like, if that's actually the case, that's a little low. That's a little, little low. Um, I'll, I, I like shithousery on, uh, you know, uh, a little of the dark arts from time to time. But oh yeah, the, the second ball on the pitch to delay it. That, yeah, that's like, that made that, me that's, laugh. That's classic. I that's mean, even, even, even Reed was laughing. He was like, what am I yeah. supposed to do with this? You know, you could just see the look yeah. on his. It was like, so this is ridiculous. And it was. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but scuffing up the spots a little bit lower uh, than I would hold, uh, hold Newcastle to you know, the level of which I would hold them to. So if it's true, and it's not the first time that's happened either. I, I want to say that it happened uh, like either end of last season where they had a, a, an opposing player, like almost slip taking a penalty similarly for that reason. And it's also one of those where I've seen it happen more often uh, in the past couple of seasons, not from just Newcastle, but I have definitely noticed it a little bit in CONCACAF as well. So that's one of those where I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of enforcement or rules uh, made around that, especially if people start to actually complain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, regardless, it happened. Um, <laughs> the match meet remained 0-0. And I mean, when that was ruled out, I mean, it, you would have thought that someone had, someone scored. I mean, it was absolutely electric. Uh, and like there was a, a fresh new energy within the Newcastle team. Yeah. Um, and then uh, want to point out, Eddie Howe made some interesting substitutions um, he ended up ended up going with the double pivot and basically had, and this is something I never thought would happen. Uh, Joel Linton had already been moved to the midfield. ASM come on at halftime. Uh, and then I think Joe Willick came off uh, pretty soon after the penalty um, because like we had to do something. Uh, and so he came off, which was odd because we knew Alexander Isak was coming on, and he was Newcastle's first, well, I guess second sub. So Isak comes on for Willock, and Newcastle shift into a 4-2-3-1 for the first time this season with Sean Longstaff and Joe Ellington as a double pivot with um, Almiron on the right, Isak in the middle, and ASM on the left. Now Isak's playing a little bit further forward, almost as like a center forward, maybe even like maybe a center forward, veering on second striker uh, Mm -hmm. territory, but... It was an interesting like wrinkle that I think we'll start to see more of because it worked uh, in terms of like we've played these teams that are going to sit back and force us to break them down. And Eddie Howe went full like, all right, fine, let's do it. And so for the first time we had Joe Ellington, Isak, Wilson, Almiron, and uh, ASM all on the pitch at the same time. And with that wealth of attacking talent, you're going to get overwhelmed. And so what we started to see after that was wave after wave of attack. Now, Newcastle looked a little bit 
poured in the midfield because now you really you didn't have like a true <laughs> you didn't have like true midfielders really playing in the midfield and so uh they were a little the midfield was a bit unbalanced so it's not again it's not a sustainable thing that I don't think I don't think we're going to start off in a 4-2-3-1 against Crystal Palace with the same lineup mm-hmm. but like when Newcastle got the ball when they won the ball back it was just like I don't know who you guard like if you're like I don't know what you do in that situation. You've got Isak picking the ball from the midfield, carrying the ball forward. He's a very gifted dribbler. He's got ASM out to his left. He's got Miggy out to his right. He's got Calum Wilson ahead of him, and it was just wave after wave of attack. And eventually, we got into a situation where Sean Longstaff, out of all people, who had a few misses, a few big misses the past couple of weeks, um, but regardless, out of all people, Sean Longstaff plays in probably one of the best crosses of the match uh, into Callum Wilson. And it just, I mean, somehow, some way it ends up, I think he eventually initially like headed it and it came back to him, like deflected off of someone and came back to him and he nods it across the goal. And Alexander Isak is there for a tap in with his head. I guess, what is that? A head in Uh, an easy header. It was on a platform. Yeah. Yeah. He scores. Uh, so Josh, I want to get your thoughts on two things. One, uh, I'm sure you kind of picked up on that, like the formation change and just how dominant Newcastle became from an attacking perspective, uh, in that like last sort of 20 minutes. And then two, just thoughts on the goal. Yeah, it shows one thing, uh, we've praised Eddie Howe for his man management, but this this is praiseworthy for his ability to make changes in the match, his academic prowess, his ability to see what's going on and adapt to the match, um, and the different phase how the different phases inform his decisions. So he can see, okay, look, I'm Bruno, Bruno couldn't give us all from a, basically the twenty minutes to the forty, you know, to forty five, and he makes that change at the half. It was an absolutely essential change, but I think what came with that territory is, okay, well, we were unable to, and like I said, like they were able to create opportunities, but they weren't able to get into um, positions where they can make good clinical finishes. I think that they were sort of like 80% of the way into their final positions and unable to make, you know, a really good uh, turn those opportunities into goals. So Eddie Howe, you know, says, okay, well, what can we do to create overloads so we can win those channels back. And we can also, you know, if they're not going to let us do our overlapping runs, well, then we're going to figure other ways to get players into attacking positions um, and to get more players into the box. And he's, he's just so smart. He's so tactically smart. Um, And and like part of you is like, of course he is. But if you look, if you look at, if you look at the problems at other clubs, you've got guys out at Everton who can't, make tactical decisions and mm-hmm. you know and and so now you look at eddie howe who was viewed last year in january passed over by some of those clubs and, and even laughed at by supporters from those clubs as uh you know newcastle had to settle for eddie howe well guess what we have probably one of the smartest managers in the league yeah. like he, he sees the situation for what it is makes the right adjustments and of course you're right. Like, you know, the double pivot isn't going to be a permanent solution to anything. It's an option. Not with that personnel. It is an option. I think it's like you, you don't want a Joel Linton, Sean Longstaff double pivot. No. But a Bruno, Joe Willick double pivot probably is a little bit better. Or maybe a, a Bruno Shelby double pivot is like mm-hmm. an option 
you know, down the road, but it was a nice little wrinkle to say the least. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, if he sees that that plays out a certain way, then maybe he'll pursue, um, pursue an addition to the team. Um, you know, we've got a couple weeks left in the transfer period. So, and we have been largely inactive. Um, and I, I saw some big rumors. I don't think that we're going to get into rumors today. Maybe we'll do a little rumor section when we do a preview for Southampton next week. But yeah. just quickly, uh, I saw some rumors. Uh, uh, Newcastle were to swoop for three Chelsea players. And oh, I was like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll but I'll, that, that's like a, a hint for the end. Yeah, I'll hint at it, but I'll just leave it at this. I'm not going to say who's who or suspect who, but if he looks at that, making modulations to lineups, changing attacking formations throughout the match. You might see us go after some quality players that aren't in the A plus transfer range, but might be in the B, B plus transfer range that cost significantly less, but become a, become a part of the system instead of becoming a star of the system. And that's more of yeah. an Eddie Howe way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's spot on. Uh, and that kind of segues perfectly into just real quick player of the match. I'm going to say for me, it's Sean Longstaff. I think I, I, I feel like every other week I say he's been underrated, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we always love a scapegoat. And I think it's really easy to scapegoat him, especially because his finishing in front of that has been pretty awful. But like, it's just underrated that you can have a guy uh, uh, like to set the scene. One Newcastle don't have a true six right now. Like, I mean, Shelby's the closest thing we have. He's injured. Bruno can play the six, but is you know, much better utilized as an eight. And so, but again, he's still a better six than whatever we have like right now, healthy wise. And Sean Longstaff has played in every single match for Newcastle this season and has played as a six. He's played as an eight. I mean, he's played, a bit more of an attacking role as an eight. He's played it more of like a but bit, you know, had the cover for people as an eight. And he once again, not only like played as an eight and then got moved to, you know, be that sort of six and protect the back line and, and completely change what he's doing in attack and how he's utilized in attack. And then, you know, there's a system change and he has to play as a double pivot alongside a guy who is not at all like, you know, the type of midfielder that would play in a double pivot. So he's got to, you know, play in a different system and essentially cover for another guy who's going to get forward. And then on top of all that, basically we're going to give him the hockey assist gets the game, the, the match winning assist uh, hockey assist wise. I mean, he, he had the pass that set up the, the nod across the, the face of goal. So I'm, I'm going to give it to Sean Longstaff. I just think he had a great match. Again, does all the little things well, like great at the press wins the ball back, plays a simple pass to the right person, doesn't try to do too much, just plays within his 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 like his level of comfort. And honestly, that's that's what you kind of want from a player like him who's I think he's twenty five or twenty six. So I think he knows the kind of player he's gonna be. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't have a different name for you. I you know, I wish I could search high and low, but I think um along with his grafting uh throughout the entire match, um it was ability. It's his ability to also change with that formation change. Um, he maintains a high, a high performance, high mindset, um, a can-do attitude, and um, you know something that's just very valuable is that he doesn't mope, he doesn't whinge, he doesn't whine when things change. He knows mm-hmm. what his role is, and he and he plays it very well. Yeah, 
then that yeah, I, I, the type of player you want in the side. All right, uh, let's take a quick ad break, and then we'll 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 go through our, our palace preview and then close things out. So we'll take a break right about now. All right, we're back. We got Crystal Palace coming up um, to set the scene. Newcastle are currently in third place uh, with the 19 matches played, 38 points, one point behind Man City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Palace are in 12th, firmly mid-table, but it is important to know they are just, I guess they're, what, seven points away from the, the drop zone. So it's it's a little bit more comfortable. They're kind of firmly mid-table, but again, anything can happen. Uh, if they lose this week and uh, – and, uh, if they lose this week and in, in Leeds wins, for example, I mean, they would be uh, dropped down to 14th. Um, or if Leicester wins, they could drop down to 15th uh, as well. So if Leeds and Leicester win, which I have no idea who's playing who, but it's just one of those. The gravity is like Pals could walk away from the weekend being in 15th or potentially even 16th, depending on how uh, – actually, no, not 16th. So, um, again, like Josh alluded to earlier, uh, Pals is going to – want to walk away with the result. I don't think they're going to roll over and I don't think any team's going to really roll over, but I think that they, they believe that they have a good enough attack to challenge Newcastle. They're going to try to, uh, you know, force Newcastle to open up a little bit um, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So uh, for on the Newcastle side, uh, injuries wise, we've got, of course, Emil Kraft is out. Uh, I don't even think I need to say that anymore. Bruno, we just talked about uh, Shelby still out. Um, Shelby could come back you know, mid-February. So that's something to look out for. And then Matt Target uh, is actually close to return. So um, we'll see if he's, you know, that's wild. on the bench and stuff. But yeah, it, it is wild. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's close. Uh, for uh, for Palace, MacArthur is a little bit questionable. Um, Joachim Anderson has a calf injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I doubt he's going to play. And then Nathan Ferguson has, a, has a, a bit of a knocker, a niggle, whatever you want to call it. And he's going to be out. Uh, he could be out uh, for you know this this match, or they might rest him. Who knows? So uh, that's uh, that's injury wise. Uh, Josh, I'll turn it over to you. Do you want to do you? Do you have any history? Do you, or do you want to do like uh, players look out for? Well, I got some stuff for you. Okay. Um, yeah. So Palace currently, as you mentioned, are twelfth with eighteen played and negative nine goal difference. Right. Mm-hmm. So this this is all entire. You went over it. Brilliant. That's great. But it's all entirely subject to change by the time that we play them because they play Manchester United tomorrow. As we we record on a Tuesday, they play Manchester United Wednesday. They may go into the match with us um, even more desperate. I don't I don't think Palace gets anything from that United match. I just don't think that they can. And I I pray that not with Mr. Rashford playing the way he is. No, but I pray that they do. Um, you know, if they, if they get on a high and they, and they beat United, Manchester United tomorrow, they are going to come to us. Maybe, you know, loosey goosey looking, looking for more. I don't know. Maybe we don't want them to have that level of confidence, but right now they are desperate. Uh, their last five have been Oh, three loss away to, uh, Oh no, at home to Fulham, a two nil win uh, away to Bournemouth. Um, an Oh, four loss at home to Tottenham. A one to two loss in the FA Cup to Southampton. Uh, so I said that funny, and a zero one <laughs> loss away to Chelsea just recently, which was an absolute. It was one of the ugliest matches that I've watched in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Just Chelsea are just so dire, and to see two teams 
going at each other that just couldn't finish. Um, Chelsea got that one nil way, and they were just they were just uh, desperate for it. So uh, all of that is to say, a Palace look, Palace look in in a funk. Um, they've got some really good names in that roster, but they just yeah. can't. And Patrick Vieira is a good coach; he had proved it last year. So I don't know what's going on with them, um, but they should be doing much better than they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, speaking of, uh, just some players to look out for. I think Zaha is always dangerous. Um, yeah. He's still a guy who, like, if he was available at the right price, I mean, I think that he's a, a player that has another level that he could achieve. And, like, there's a few managers that I think get him to that next level, and maybe Eddie Howe is one of them. Uh, and Elise is another uh, dangerous name on the Palace side, uh, for sure. Just, I mean, again, We've talked about their attack, uh, but Michael Elise has been pretty good uh, for them this season. I want to say in the last match we played against him, he might have come off the bench. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Eberichi Eze uh, is just a beastly name um, and just very tricky winger, lots of speed, causes a lot of problems for a lot of different players. Um, but again, it's it's a weird one because, it, like 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 you alluded to, on paper, I mean, of course, you got like, Jordan Ayew, which, like, I don't want to say is a threat, but he's, like, always causing issues uh, for teams. But uh, they've got a really solid attack, and they've got a solid, you know, midfield pairing. Uh, Josh, you have an interesting name on here. Uh, yeah, Will I, Hughes. I added Will Hughes. Um, he's a shit house. I mean, he's just yeah. – he's, he's, he's like – I don't know if you have watched much – uh, uh, Forest, or yeah. if you re- or if you remember Colback playing for us, mm-hmm. um, but he's their Jack Colback. He is going to yeah, be, he's going to be kicking, he's going to be kicking at heels and ankles. He's going to be, you know, raising his elbow into fifty fifties. He's going to be sticking the his knee into the back of you know into the back of uh, hamstrings and 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 thighs. He's going to do what he can to disrupt play. He's he's an absolute um, pain in the ass. Yeah. And he flies around the pitch almost like he doesn't have a home and he just gets everywhere he can get a little bit like Harrison Reed was, uh, you know, in the last match um, for Fulham, except for he's just a little less, uh, less of a footballer or more of a rugby player, if you will. So he's more of a rugger, as they say. Um, yeah. So Will, Will Hughes is going to be an absolute pain in the ass. Just look for that. Be aware of that and and laugh cynically at, at him when he does he, he invariably. um risk his risk the yellow or or double yellow card uh while he's on the pitch uh against us in this match yeah yeah uh that's a good shout and with Joachim Anderson out uh I'm curious to see who they plug in at uh at center back uh I think the last match they subbed in James Tompkins Mm -hmm. uh, but also on their their bench is is Chris Richards the American who uh they've they're really high on uh but just has been injured which kind of story of Chris Richards career uh, so far. Well, I mean, in spurts. So uh, we'll see now that he's, you know, back to being fully healthy, if he's a, a person to get involved, but just there, there could be a potential weak spot uh, with Anderson being just like a, a big staple of their defense for the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons. So uh, good. You know, that's something to, to, to pay attention to. Uh, anything else, Josh? Yeah, I'll run down the, the historic facts uh, mm-hmm. that I have. Uh, Newcastle United versus Crystal Palace all time. We've won 30, lost 12, drawn 11. So we are 
vastly superior numerically. We first played them 12 January 1907 in a 0-1 loss in the FA Cup. Um, we didn't lose to Palace again until 1970. So 63 years it took Jeez. it took them to beat us again. Our biggest loss was one uh, one to five in 2015, and our biggest win was either a five to one win in the Anglo Italian Cup in 1973 or the six to two win in the FA Cup in January 1947. I'm going to pick that one, and I'm going to give you the I'll give you the lineup. Uh, you had uh, Eric Garbutt at goalkeeper. Your fullbacks were Dick Burke, Doug Graham. Your left mm. half was Jimmy Woodburn. This is a big one. Your wing half was Joe Harvey. Look that name up. Uh, if if um, um, you know U.S. supporters of, of Newcastle, look up Joe Harvey. That's a big name for the history of Newcastle. Uh, your other wing half was uh, Dougie Wright. Your outside left was Tommy Pearson. Center forwards were Roy Bentley, Charlie Wayman. Inside forwards were Len Shackleton and George Staubert with goals from Wayman. Bentley, a brace for Len. Uh, George Staubert got on and, and Tommy Pearson got one. So it was a big match. It was a, a heck of a lineup in, in 1947. Um, and you saw Joe Harvey uh, playing ball, uh, who would later go on to manage Newcastle. Yeah. Last uh, last person to, to win a major trophy. Yes, sir. So. Fun fact. Um, yeah, so let's get into the predictions. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I think we've been awful in our predictions. The last, <laughs> uh, the last, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess personally I've been pretty awful with my predictions, but I think we, we thought the Fulham match was going to be a little bit more exciting than it was. Uh, so are we, are we saying the Palace match is going to be a little bit more exciting than the past few uh, Premier League matches? Oh, I think they, I think they unleash – I think Palace. Is, I think Palace is in deep doo doo. I really do, okay. especially especially if uh, uh, with their match midweek against Manchester United. Uh, fingers crossed. You know, if I were them, fingers crossed. There's no injuries because if they have, uh, you know, if they suffer an injury, or you know, they're just going to be they're going to be in in uh, hot hot water against Newcastle United on the weekend. Yeah, it's 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 a lose lose for them in terms of like like you know what to prioritize because I mean. Like they've got to play Man U, and then they've got uh, Newcastle, and then they got Man U in the cup again. So I mean, like the, the like they've got a decent, they got two winnable matches after that with Brighton and Brentford. Um, but even then, both of those teams have also been doing fairly well this season. So I think, like you said, it could get ugly. Uh, what, what's your score prediction? Um, oof, do we do? I think four nil is going to be really extreme. Maybe I'll be a little more kind and say maybe. Maybe three nil, three nil. I don't see them scoring. They have the weapons to do it, right? They have the weapons, but like we've just shown, maybe we're due one. Maybe three one. I'll go three one, three one. I th- I think we're due one. I think the Newcastle did struggle a little bit uh, with with wing play um, and what their fullbacks did against it. Uh, in this, in that full match, just a little bit. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Dan Byrne right now. Uh, just, just <laughs> a little bit. He could get a little reckless. Uh, so maybe that's a, you know, maybe he, he's one to give up a pen or get beaten. I don't, I, I'll say this. I don't think he's going to get beaten. I think he could give up another penalty. Uh, but I think Newcastle pulls this one out. I think three, one is a fair scoreline. If it's not three, one, I think it's going to be two, nothing. But I also think this is another match in which we see Newcastle score fairly early. 
uh, and, you know, score within the first, you know, score two goals within the first, you know, 30 minutes and kind of coast to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's going to be the vibe for this match. I don't think it's going to be as tense as the, uh, the last few matches have been for Newcastle. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, real quick, two questions for you. This is the first one's from our, our boy, Eric Schmidt at NUFC Indiana. Uh, hopefully he's surviving the cold uh, of the Midwest. Don't know how he does it. Uh, he said, would you feel disappointed if we finish in a Europa League or Conference League position given the season so far? I'm sure at the beginning of the season, I would have snapped someone's hand off for it. But now it feels like a letdown if we finish below UCL qualification. Mm, that's an interesting question. Uh Josh, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You can go first. I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's a it's an odd one. I think Newcastle can finish. I could think they could finish outside of the top four and still end up like with you know like like with one of the Champions League spots, depending on if Man City wins the league or if Arsenal wins the league, like, it, it could be possible, but I don't know. I mean, people, the top four is it, people are starting to catch up. So, uh, you know, if Newcastle keep playing the way they do, then like, yes, by all means, they should uh, be fully in a position to be, you know, secure champions league spots, but we've played around us, you know, Arsenal, we played one more match than them. New, uh, Man City, we played one more match than them. And Man United, we played one more match than them. So the, the teams around us still have to, you know, still have to, uh, still have the kind of game in hand against us. So I don't know if I'd be that disappointed because everyone seems to be closing the gap. I mean, Spurs are still not too far off the pace. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it is an interesting question. So, uh, okay, long story short, I think I wouldn't be that disappointed if we finished fifth yeah if we finished fifth i wouldn't be that disappointed sixth i think is like a like europa league spot sixth maybe i'm starting to feel a little disappointed just because right now the teams that are in sixth and seventh are not your usual suspects it's fulham brighton and brentford in sixth seventh and eighth like liverpool and chelsea are in ninth and tenth respectively with Chelsea's played the same amount of matches as we have so uh with plenty of more matches to come so uh, yeah, I guess. Wow, I guess I've talked myself into being disappointed if we finish outside of <laughs> the top five. Um, I've never seen us. I've never, I've never seen us play so for something so late in this. Um, how do I say this? I've been we're at the halfway Castle. point, and we're in third. We're in third, right? <laughs> and it hasn't been since what nineteen ninety five, ninety six, mm-hmm. where there was something worth fighting for. And instead of instead of having our eye on the bottom three spots and praying that other teams worse than us lose week in, week out so that we can survive for the first time in so, so long, we can look forward to each match and really enjoy the football that's on offer. I am not going to be disappointed if we finish sixth. I'll take it. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that at the beginning of the year. I'm very realistic about this squad and I'm very realistic about how long it's going to take for them to create the, the requisite depth to be a challenger for the, for the, for the league. Um, It just takes years. I mean, even Manchester city blew money wildly for a decade and Mm -hmm. then, and, and they had to, 
get into the Europa League spot. So they had to get into the Champions League. They had to win an FA Cup or two and start to create the clout that attracts the highest quality player who, you know, where they say, okay, not only do we have a top, top striker, but we have two top, top strikers. Why would someone say, yeah, I'll take that contract to sit on the bench behind so-and-so? Like most of them aren't going to do that. Like we're lucky to have Isak, but I don't think that we could sign somebody that would play in his position this in January. Do you know what I mean? Like we'll have yeah, no, to show I think there's, that there's... there's no striker that's that, that like, even like we talked yeah. about Marcus Turam is a good example of like, you know, it was, it was a nice link, but you know, I, that's a player who, yes, he can play along the entire front three, but I mean, I'm sure he wants to be, play more as a striker and, like right now, if you're a number nine, like you've got Callum Wilson, who again, you know, just was at the World Cup with England, and so whether or not you may think he's, you know, a a, a great striker or not, if you're a, a player who's looking to come to Newcastle, like I mean, he's got he's a he's a leader on this team, so you're you know you have to just completely beat him out, as well as Chris Wood, who I mean, again, like. He's Chris Wood, but also he's like it's a crowded strikers room. So I mean, I don't know if I'm taking, uh, you know, the making the move to Newcastle when I could be the striker at a different club, <laughs> you know, right? Or so, any or any position. Um, yeah. You know, I, th- I think that there's probably some room to attract maybe another, um, maybe a left back or a central defender. I mean, I I love Dan Byrne. I love the story, but I I was watching. Um, I was watching Nathaniel Klein, who is a 32-year-old left fullback for Crystal Palace, and thinking that is a body that we could bring in that would do well on our back line, that would contribute, that could play in a way that Howe would find useful, let alone looking at players um, on the continent and finding somebody that plays maybe, um, you know, that plays for a, a high-caliber French side. I mean, they, they sometimes have a, a, an extra fullback or two where they're happy to sell one on we might be a year away from adding those pieces that help bring us up from six to first. I think we're ahead of schedule. I I will probably echo that sentiment all year until the last week when we finish in first place and win the league. And I'll say we're still ahead of schedule, but God damn it. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. That's, That's a good assessment. Like if Newcastle win the league, I would say like if they win the league this year, which again, it's a big if I would not go into next season, picking them to win the league again. It, it it would yeah sure Newcastle could finish top six next year like they they sure they could like but are they going to win the league probably not um, yeah. I wouldn't say they're they're title contenders as much as we just complained about us not getting the respect of being title contenders <laughs> um, but yeah uh, that's a good shout that's a good question by NFC Indiana uh, it forced me to think out loud and come to the conclusion that. Unlike Josh, I would be disappointed if we finished outside of the top <laughs> six uh, or top four or top five or whatever. Um, all right. Uh, here's my question for you, Josh. Uh, you alluded to it earlier, um, and I didn't tell Josh this. So you guys, I'm, I'm serious. We, I didn't tell him to bring it up because I wanted to bring it up. We were recently linked. And again, you know, we might dive into some more transfer links as some more become a little bit more solidified towards the end of January. But we were linked to three potential Chelsea players. Um, because Chelsea, that we could do a whole podcast on Chelsea, but uh, this season they have spent nearly 450 million pounds on players, um, which 
is is more than everyone else in the league uh, by far. But it also means that uh, they need to they actually do need to get rid of some players in order to uh, in order to have these guys registered in the team. I mean, there there are certain like I mean they've got a, they have a lot of injuries, sure. But I mean everyone has injuries. Uh, but they, they would likely need to get rid of some players in order to make some of these signings work. They've brought in uh, two players already in January, uh, so they need to let go of some players. And Newcastle were linked to three different players, all very different uh, players for Chelsea. One was Ruben Loftus-Cheek, one was Connor Gallagher, one was Hakeem Ziyech. Ziyech? Ziyech? Sure. One of that. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, out of those three, and I think I know who you're going to say, out of those three, who would you take? I, oh, I'm curious. I Okay. I'm going to take Hakeem Ziyech. Is that who you thought I was going to oh. say? No, that is not at all who I thought you were going to say. But now I'm, I'm even more intrigued. Okay. Why? I was watching the match. I was watching the Chelsea and and Palace match. Um, And I wouldn't say that he's an elegant player, but I would say that he is a Swiss army knife amongst that team. He Mm -hmm. was able to create through passes, was able to go to create passes that went over top the back line um, from four, five, six different angles. He was on the right side of the pitch. He was on the left side of the pitch. He was given free reign to move around a lot. And I felt he did some really clever, clever combination play um, deep in the corners and then sort of unlocked, they, they sort of unlocked that, um, mm-hmm. that, that fullbacks on either side of Palace. Um, and he just went from one side to the other, um, helping unlock those one-on-ones and, and, and then guiding the ball back in to whomever he could get the ball to, um, to create opportunities. But on top of that, every once in a while, he would take a shot from distance, which I think is really, really smart because if you're having trouble breaking teams down, you need to keep them honest by taking those shots from distance if they're, if they're available. Um, And so I think he was just really clever, um, especially that he's undersized compared to some of the other names that you had mentioned. Um, I do like Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. I think he's got uh, he's got a good size to him, but I don't think he's as clever on the ball as uh, mm-hmm. as Hakeem is. So that's who I would go for. Yeah, Hakeem Ziyech is an interesting one because like he he's got he's he's positionless, which is every Chelsea attacker they've signed and consequently ruined or subsequently ruined. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I mean, he's he looked good in the World Cup, and then he looked good against Palace as well, uh, which. He hadn't looked great for Chelsea, but part of that I think is definitely down to management. And so I think you're you're spot on with that. There's a talented player there who, if he goes somewhere else, he probably is going to look like the the the, the player that Chelsea bought. Like he's yeah. going to look that good. Um, if that's Newcastle, I don't know. I uh, you bring up some really good points, and I think what Ziyech brings is what. Newcastle fans want from like a James Madison, which is like you want that attacking player that has all three of those capabilities of be able to score, be able to create the pass, and be able to 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 beat guys off the dribble. And right now, Newcastle, each one of their attackers kind of has you know not all three of those yeah. uh, put together. Yeah. I mean, Isak is probably three. the closest. Yeah, yeah it, it, two out of three on a consistent basis. Like Miguel Moran's not picking out. You know, he, he's he can get in behind people, and he's gotten better at beating guys off the dribble but his passing is still not great especially since he's 
you know, still forces everything onto his left. Um, Alan say Maxman, you know, he can beat guys off the dribble. Um, his passing has been okay, but what lets him down is consistency and decision-making. So while he has the tools uh, to, 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 to have all three of those, and we've seen him score. We've seen him, you know, play in great passes. We've seen him beat guys off the dribble his decision-making still isn't at the level in which like you see the best out of, uh, out of him. And then you look at Callum Wilson, like he's, he's a number nine through and through. And again, Isak bill is billed as being able to do all of those, but I don't know if he's the, the, the level of passer that Newcastle need uh, because, you know, there's been so many times this season still, despite the goal scored, despite the big wins where they're still one pass away in the final third from really, doing anything with with, with uh, and creating the, the best possible chance. So I think that's a really good shout. I would like Connor Gallagher. Uh, I think one still young, uh, he's very similar to Joe Willock, just another sort of like good guy that would buy into the system. And he was absolutely insane for Crystal Palace last year uh, when he was coached by a manager that used him correctly and empowered him put him in a system that makes sense. He's a very energetic box-to-box midfielder who has the ability to beat guys off the dribble. He has the ability to score. He has the ability to play a decent ball and just hasn't had the opportunities at Chelsea, whether it's system fit or whether it's manager or whether the fact that like Chelsea just keep buying tons and tons of players. And I mean, he played mm-hmm. against Dallas and he also looks really good. So I think, and I mean, and I have, you know, we've talked about my, my friends who are Chelsea fans who even listen to this podcast and they are like, kind of like they kind of want him to come to Newcastle because uh, they, they feel as if like Eddie Howe is going to use him properly and get the best out of him, um, which they haven't really seen happen at, uh, at, at Chelsea. I mean, they had him <laughs> against palace and he's again, he still was one of their better midfielders in a double pivot alongside Jorginho. And it's like, all right, I mean, that's fine, but, they're like, he'd probably be better as one of those box-to-box eights that Newcastle has. And you talk about a player coming for depth. If Newcastle are playing European football and your your selection of eights is, you know, Sean Longstaff, Joe Willock, Joe Allington, and Bruno Gimaeish with, you know, two sixes and Shelby and someone else behind them, that's an actually, that's an actual solid, like, midfield group. Mm-hmm. And that's also a midfield group that can grow uh, with potential. You got Joe Ellington, who's what, 26, Bruno, who's 25, Joe Willock, who's 22, and Gallagher, I think, is 22. Um, and then you would imagine Newcastle bring in an athletic six that's probably going to be in that 24 to 25 range. Like, that's a solid midfield that will continue to grow and develop over the next couple seasons. Uh, so that that's, that's you know, I, I'm I'm not super sold on Ruben Loftus Cheek. I think he's just a name that is constantly linked to Newcastle, constantly like in and around the Chelsea team. But like his time at Chelsea's done, and I think like he the best thing for him to do is just kind of move on, and maybe move out of the Premier League. Who knows? Um, that's yeah. <laughs> I think he's a name that's been synonymous with Chelsea for so long. He was in their loan system for years and years. Yeah, I think classic the, FIFA wonder kid, yeah, like four or I five think, years ago. Yeah, the best move for him. Honestly, depending on how it shakes out in the championship uh, at the end of the year, but just going to whoever the, the 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 best or the second best team in the championship is, and just being being um, being a big fish in a small pond instead of being one of many 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 fish in a huge pond, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wish him all the yeah. luck in the world. 
And but versatility wise, he's a guy that would also make sense for Newcastle. Like he's played as a central midfielder, right midfielder, defensive midfielder, and a right back. Uh, so I mean, like he's he, he's got that versatility that would yeah. would help any sort of squad. But I, I think you're spot on. Like he should just. I mean, he he's and the talent's there for him. It's just like at Chelsea, and you're just not going to get the the level of of playing time that you need, uh, especially given like the system they play. There's really only two midfield spots for anyone who's an actual central midfielder because they have, you know, 40 positionless attackers that they also have to all give playing time to. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, thank you for uh, indulging in that question, Josh. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Josh, you got anything else uh, you want to say before we depart? No, I think I've said enough and many will agree. <laughs> that's good stuff alright well uh, that's been another episode of CHN Radio it's Elijah here signing off alongside Josh um, have a wonderful rest of your week folks and away the lads uh, we love you guys I'm coming home Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home Newcastle if you never win the cup again I'll pray for Dawkins and James's park If they gotta get into the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody, And to live in land. Some people think we're body And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it off as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wing I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park In the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming